Good Monday afternoon to all of you Titans fans out there, all you football fans out there. It is a football show brought to you by Sinkers. There we go. Got the nice swag after the draft party. Sinkers Beverages, of course, in East Nashville, Bluegrass in Hendersonville. I'll get you some swag. I know some people. The Kingston Group, of course, BuildKG.com. It's been with us almost two and a half years now since the beginning. So two great and amazing local sponsors. We'll tell you guys about them a little bit later on. Still have lots of cool prizes to give to you guys from Sinkers. And, sh- and shout out to Sinkers and Kingston Group for putting on a really killer, awesome draft party. Shout out to all you guys who showed up. Uh, congrats to all the new fathers <laughs> on, on the a show as of, well. A lot of babies being made during these podcasts, apparently. D good, D good. How's the baby? Let us know how the baby's go- doing. I hope mom and baby and everybody's doing great. Uh, Tim, tell us how the baby's doing. We appreciate you guys, uh, uh, and uh, obviously appreciate everybody that showed up. Had a great time. Uh, we we had a very distinct energy in the building on Thursday evening, Zach, which was please God, not Will Levis. We we got Peter Skaronsky. The place went nuts. We had a great, huge, big, amazing party, and then Friday happened, and the Tennessee Titans trade up to the thirty third pick. Um, essentially swapping thirds, giving up a third next year to get Will Levis. We have a lot to discuss. The analytics, the press conferences, the strategy, wide receiver, all these different things. There's a million things to discuss. And as you and I were talking before the show, Zach, everything is interwoven. So it's all connected. It all affects it's it, it all. One thing affects another thing. Um, I didn't even and- make title cards. It's just all about the Titans <laughs> draft because I was just like, there's just so many. It's And we talked about there's just so many layers to everything that did and one choice had repercussions on another choice would had, which tells you about this position group, which tells you about the future of the team, which tells you about this. And it's just, it's, it's kind of a really the most interesting draft. I think I, the Titans have ever had it, it. Well, and it will decide the direction of the franchise moving forward for quite some time. Uh, certainly with, with Will Levis uh, D good. That's not, that's not called for. Okay. It's uncalled for. We don't need to talk. And you were literally my- just asking about his child, and he was- comes back with a "your wife" joke. Jeez, like, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? All right, lots to discuss. Now, <laughs> we are going to set some expectations for Will Levis because after the draft pick, I did some research on where quarterbacks are drafted. There's actually some really interesting information out there about where he specifically has been picked, which, as I've learned, is sort of quarterback no man's land. Uh, the middle of the second round and the second round is kind of the, is no man's land for quarterbacks. Um, so we'll kind of give you some historical context and data around that. Do you think the only one before I ask you in general, Zach, about your thoughts as a whole on the draft, uh, the the six new players and the strategy in general, we'll get into all the different details. Um, but it does feel like to your point about how one thing affects every, the only thing that didn't affect anything else. It felt like was Peter Skaronsky. Like he was the best player on their board at, at that time at a position that they needed. They took a player that they wanted. And they drafted him, and like that was it. Like it, it didn't feel you like mean that. that. There's no controversy surrounding it because really it, right. it it affects a lot, right? It affected that they didn't take a quarterback at eleven, and it affected that they almost gave up even more draft capital to get the quarterback back in the first round. So that could have been a huge talking point. Is that the Peter Skaronsky? What is better? Taking Peter Skaronsky at 11 or taking and trading up for Will Levis or taking Will Levis and just sticking and picking in the second and third round. Like that's not off the table, that that is part of this overarching draft strategy. And a one of the first dominoes to fall was Peter Skaronsky falling to 11. 
Well, and you could go even deeper too, to your point. Oh, like, yeah. The amount of money that you pay for a draft pick at 33 versus 11 is very different, but you then get the fifth year option instead. So is he sitting behind Tannehill? We've got a lot of stuff to get to uh, as it beca- as it pertains to Will Levis. And, and frankly, I again, I could not believe I was the one on Twitter Friday night feeling like a Will Levis defender, which felt just so insane to me. Like I, the number of times I had to say, like, I am, I don't love the trade up. I don't think he's elite, but he's way better than you Tennessee Volunteers fans think he is because your guy didn't get enough coverage in the draft process for a year and your feelings got hurt about it, like for no reason whatsoever. Um, but but here we are with Will Levis as the starting quarterback potentially and, at least and on call two years. I, th- this is the shocking part. I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, that's the, you. You think you sh- you defending Will Levis is shocking. I think me being the calm one is shocking. And and that's to say that you're not the calm one. But like you know, Mike is obviously spiraling back into his dark <laughs> abyss. He'll never be able to come out of, it, and he will never be able to live down some of the stuff that he flipped his uh, his uh, opinions on. Like like again, I think one of the things that frustrated me was not that. Hendon Hooker isn't good or Will Levis isn't good. It's that the perception from Tennessee fans is that Will Levis is so bad. We we need to sort of, I think the most important part of the conversation today about Will Levis is going to be setting expectations about what you should or should not expect from a player drafted with his skill set at 33 on this particular team, defining what bust is, defining what success is. Because I think some, for some reason that is a difficult thing. But I want to know, I texted you guys when they traded up and I was like, this it's clearly for Levis. I got a I'm dead inside from Mike Herndon. I didn't hear from you. I wasn't there was there was a few moments of silence on Twitter from you. Um, what's going through your head as you watch them trade up and you watch the you know the war room with with Rabel and Amy and Rand? Well, I guess maybe being that I already vomited for the day because of the party at Sinkers, the excellent party at Sinkers, which it was amazing gave me one of the worst hangovers ever um (laughs) that i just maybe i maybe that's what it was holy crap i was too hung over to care in the moment (laughs) and thus i my reaction was just like okay well that's not that bad and and i'm there's no reason to get upset about because i don't feel very good and then by that time 24 hours have passed and i really just don't care anymore like maybe the hangover just came at the perfect time yeah it's what's interesting is there's very few things in life that will stop you from caring about sports like a new a newborn child and being hungover are two at the top of the list (laughs) yeah (laughs) those are are two things that will stop that real fast no no here's here's my thing um uh, uh, and I do, do you want me to dive into the stats here on second rounders or do we want to talk about the entire six pick strategy and yeah let, like I want I want to get into this second this these stats about okay, second right. rounders that involve games played which means that one player could just come in and throw one pass and count as games played no no I I know what that. you mean I know what you mean by that I just had to use something that that sort of was across the board and if a player plays three games in his NFL career a la Brian Brom a second round pick that is clearly a bust. Christian Hackenberg played zero games in his career. Dino Smith is clearly a bust, and Teddy Bridgewater is clearly a bust for their teams that drafted him, especially for the Minnesota Vikings right. that traded right, shut two up. picks to get that. Ah, see, shut up, shut see? up. You're not. You're. You're no. You're. You're not wrong in your analysis of those two players. You're wrong in your use of the term bust. We'll discuss in just no. a second. But let me give out the number because I don't. Okay. That's not. Give, the, out, that's give not, out these worthless numbers that are already worthless because you say that they are clearly not a bust okay. when they are. So you're arguing the semantics of this. That's not the point. The the point is to discuss. Semantics matter when you're using data. Okay. 
Uh, well, I, I would define bust slightly different than you, which means we are arguing semantics. Again, uh, so here's the deal. Very rarely do quarterbacks get drafted in sort of the middle of the second round. In fact, one quarterback was drafted in the 40s uh, from D D Drew Locke a couple of years ago. So from this past season all the way down to 2010, one quarterback has been taken in the 40s. So 40 to 49, picks 40 to 49. That was Drew Locke in 2019. He's I, I would I would not call him anything more than a, a bust to if he did goes on to be Geno Smith, then he would not be a bust. But right now he's a bust. No, so, no. The point is the team that drafted him does not reap the benefits. So he is a bust for that team. Well, they got they got some. Then they get some. They got Russell Wilson out of the deal. So anyway, fair enough. He's a bust. I'm not even arguing. And, and guess what? That didn't work out for them, did it? <laughs> the point is, is that there's this no man's land in the second round where quarterbacks don't have not been drafted in the last like 15 years, basically. Um, quarterbacks taken in the back half of the second round have largely been really, really bad busts. Like true, like could not get on the field, atrocious bad busts. Uh, we're talking Brian Brom, three starts. We're talking Deshaun Kaiser, 18 games played. We're talking uh, guys like John Beck, who played nine games. Christian Hackenberg played zero games. But where the point of all of this is to, and I, you can go look at all the data on my Twitter account. The point of all of this is where you're taken in the second round over the last 20 plus years has made a difference. It absolutely has made a difference into how productive you have been. There have been six quarterbacks taken in the 30s in the NFL draft in, in the last basically 15 or 20 years. It's Lamar Jackson, Teddy Bridgewater, Derek Carr, Geno Smith, Andy Dalton, Colin Kaepernick. If you go back to 2000, it includes Kevin Cobb, Drew Brees, and Patrick Ramsey. Now, Cobb and Ramsey, if you want to call them total busts, totally fine with that. Uh, the point is, is that the average games played, just using that as a baseline to say how long you stayed in the league, the average number of games played is 104 games played for every quarterback taken in the 30s. The average number of games played for quarterbacks taken after that from 40 to the third round is like 33 games. So a player is going to play on average three times as many games if they are selected in the high second round means nothing for Will Levis. It means nothing for what he is or is not going to be. And there's a huge discrepancy between Lamar Jackson and Drew Brees and Geno Smith and Colin Kaepernick and Teddy Bridgewater. I acknowledge all of that. But there's also a huge discrepancy in using games played as a sign of production. But I think we can use our just rational brains well, and say I don't Lamar think you can if you're not going to call Geno Smith and Teddy Bridgewater a, a bust. If you I'm gonna, do not I, think I'm that they are call, bust for their teams. I think you and I did a show a couple of weeks ago where we talked where we called Teddy Bridgewater a guy. He's not good. He's, he's not a bad. guy now, he's but just he's, a guy. he's a bust for the team that drafted him. That is, is a draft bust. That okay, is not Derek, a bust of a player. That is a draft bust. And so, that is not good for the team. Colin Kaepernick, what does he count as? I don't know. I don't know what to call him. A one-year wonder. He got his team to a Super Bowl, but then he had the whole off-the-field stuff that wasn't really his fault. He's clearly pretty talented, but then, like, not. I don't, you know, like, I, it's hard to analyze. We have to sort of use vague gray area language here. The, the point is, is that guys play 100 games on average, taken in the 30s, but and the guys the majority of that 30. for guys like Geno Smith and Teddy Bridgewater have been backup duty have been guys that come in and they're backups and they come in and play a few snaps. Andy Dalton's basically that guy here and there. Sometimes he's a backup. Sometimes he's a starter because Chicago doesn't know what to do. And the saints were before that. So like 
I, I get what you're saying that just because you're drafted in the second round doesn't mean you don't have the potential to be a Lamar Jackson, a Drew Brees, a Derek Carr. Cause I, I, I get that. Part. Those, are, those are the best three by far. Like, right. That, and that's then easy you, cause see. you could also be a, a Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott if you're drafted later. Right. The, the issue I have is the terminology used to get this point okay. across, which is the point, the, the point, the overall point is that's just a fucking crapshoot. The draft in its entirety is an entire crapshoot, but just because Will Levis is was drafted at 33 instead of 31 doesn't necessarily mean that he can't be a first-round guy because the Titans obviously had, and I talk about this in my article that's coming out after this show, 5,000-word banger on Will Levis. <laughs> the Titans obviously had a first-round grade on Will Levis, and other teams did too. It's the fact that the teams at the bottom end of the first round did not seem to want to trade out because they didn't want to have to wait to all the way to pick 41 and miss out on guys that they had really high grades on that were available to them. So, so, and, and ultimately my point is not, I'll, I'll concede everything that you're saying about the term bust. That's fine. But ultimately my point is this quarterbacks, are not often taken in this range overall. Basically one per second round over the last 20 years since 2000. Not very often. Many, many years, there's no quarterbacks taken in the second round. But where you are taken in the second round has, there is a statistical significant difference between the guys that are taken in the last 20 picks of this round and the guys taken in sort of the first third of this round. Again, nine quarterbacks taken in the 30s. On average, over 100 games played, the 16 other quarterbacks, and I'll give you the list, it's Drew Locke, Jimmy Clausen, Pat White, who played 13 games, John Beck, Drew Stanton, Kellen Clemens, Jalen Hurts is a big one, Jimmy Garoppolo is a big positive one, but then you've got Christian Hackenberg, Deshaun Kaiser, Brock Osweiler, Brian Brom, Chad Henney, Tavares Jackson, and Quincy Carter. So there's, to me, there's this. a huge difference. There's a huge difference yeah. between the, the list of those first six or nine game guys and the list of the other 16. To me, there's a huge difference. And that, to me, is where we start to set expectations for Will Levis. I, I think I think there is an argument to be made that is in favor of looking at this kind of data, is that Will Levis is probably a better prospect than the majority of the names that you listed outside of, obviously, Lamar Jackson, Drew Brees, and Derek Carr. I think you can you could definitely say he's better than Drew Locke. You could definitely say he's better than Paxton Lynch, who's a name. I don't know if you I don't remember if you brought that name up in your list, but um guys that were picked all around that, he is a better prospect. So there is a good I am willing to concede that there is a good shot. Like, here's how I put it in the the article over at stackinginbox.com, four dollars a month. 5,000 words on Will Levis, because I do have a section called My Comeuppance. That is the first section, My Comeuppance. Oh. And I'm not afraid to admit if I'm wrong or not, or maybe wrong. I was wrong on a few things about Will Levis, wrong, not wrong on my analysis and feelings. I have zero faith that he is going to be anything. He's going to be the franchise quarterback that takes this team to the Super Bowl, because that is what you're looking for, and that in a first-round graded quarterback, and that is what this team thinks he is, a first-round yes. quarterback yeah. that's going to that's gonna compete and take you to a Super Bowl at some point. I have zero faith that that is what he is, but I have <laughs> a lot of hope that I am proven wrong. So I think there's a difference between faith and hope 
in this discussion about Will Levis. To- totally agree. So the reason I did all of that data, by the way, go to Sinkers, sign up for the in crowd. Uh, East Nashville there, you got Bluegrass and Hendersonville. Uber Eats, search Sinkers. They'll deliver the booze right to your house so that you can do the drinking. Look, he's literally well, drinking. I was literally, literally drinking water. He's literally drinking. Uh, Uber Eats, search Sinkers. They'll deliver the booze right to your house so you can drink. They'll do the driving. Uh, right. Kingston Group, of course, buildkg.com, uh, locally owned and operated. If you have any questions about your house, please talk to them. Uh, my Listen, my wife and I will not do anything on our house unless we talk to the Kingston Group. We built a, a whole little deal out there in the back with the carport for the kids and a shed built in and everything with like speakers and the whole deal for watching movies and listening to music. And it's all the Kingston Group. I promise you, go talk to them, buildkg.com. And of course, Sinker's responsible for that killer draft party um, on Thursday evening. It it, apparently, it, apparently it did. I'm glad you were. I'm glad, I'm glad you were <laughs> you were riding day. home that night. Um, so the reason I bring all of that up is to try to set some level of expectation because the one stupid tweet that goes viral on Friday for me is largely just like, hey, I think Will Levis is actually way better than Tennessee fans, including you Vols fans, think he is. I don't think he's elite. I'm with you. I don't think he's going to carry this team to a Super Bowl championship. I do understand all of the intangibles. Know your college box scores are not directly comparable or relatable to the fucking NFL for the love of Christ. That is not what means you're going to be great in the NFL or not. It's about level setting what expectations are. And when people are throwing the name Paxton Lynch at me, saying he's going to play five games in the NFL, well, then every one of these guys that made the decision to draft him will be fired and he'll be a complete bust. But I don't think that's the appropriate level set based on where quarterbacks when they get taken in this range, they, they play a lot more. They start a lot more games. Let me ask you this. Jake Locker started as a top 10 draft pick, started 23 games for the Tennessee Titans. He is considered, to me, a bust that is the floor for Will Levis. I don't think Will Levis is any worse than Jake Locker. Jake Locker didn't love football. Jake Locker was hurt a ton in college. Are there some similarities in their games? Maybe. But I think will I think Jake Locker at 23 games played started for the Tennessee Titans, the organization that drafted him. To me, that would be considered the bottom and the and the bust and the floor. And I will bet everything I own that he starts more than 23 games for the Tennessee Titans. Hmm. I, I'm I'm. It, it's I I don't know if I could get completely on board with you because like I, you had me, and then you're talking about betting money. Because I th- <laughs> here here's. Here's where I'm at. The Titans, the worst thing the Tennessee Titans can do, and this is from Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon's perspective, is to prolong bad quarterback play to the detriment of your team. Because the longer, if he puts together Jake Locker-type seasons, which is technically what you said is almost two seasons, essentially. It's like one and a half, really. Yeah, (laughs) essentially. But there was injury involved in everything. Yep. They're fired. Yep. If you play him in year one and he stinks, you don't have too much invested in him to not move on after this year. So I worry that if if we get into this thing that like, oh, well, he'll start at least 24 games, but it's Jake Locker bad. Everybody's gone. Like, that's not good. Like you get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, no, no. I, 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 and I I get that you're studying expectation that like, okay, you're going to get maybe Jake, Jake Locker's best season is his worst season or something like that, you know, but they can't afford to go 
24 games of Jake Locker or essentially, let's say right. a season and a half of Jake Locker. Um, likely because then if, if you have a bad season this year and then you don't, you pass on like Caleb Williams and you think that, Oh, it's Marvin Harrison jr. Is going to magically fix everything as a rookie wide receiver. And he doesn't, you guys are probably gone. <laughs> like that's just how the NFL works. It's, it's, it's just, it's just how it does. So, so let me ask you, let me ask you this. And this is what's really, so Jason's already commented on this and, and Trey and Tim, you guys have already kind of mentioned this. And I, what I, the part that I struggle with is the value of the investment because like if he's taken where Jake Locker is taken right at number eight overall, then the expectation should be to carry a team to, to championship competition. Like that's the whole point, but taken at 33 and the trade up while on its face, I didn't like it. The trade up really was giving up a third round next year. And that's it. They, they, you, they got their six players this year. And I, I talk about you know. it. You're giving up technically two to three at two minimum, three maximum premier players in this trade. You you know you're giving because twenty third round picks and up are supposed to be starters on this team, right? Like those are supposed to be starters on the team, Ma major contributors through the rookie year contract. So you already gave up one player. For the, that's the guy in next year's draft, right? Yep. If Will Levis stinks, that means you wasted your second round pick, and you could have gotten a premier player without trading up. And if you didn't trade up, you could have gotten a. Uh, Jalen Hyatt or Cedric Tillman, if those guys tickled your fancies and depending on how they're the third, maybe because depending on how those guys perform, maybe you gave up a third premier player. So you gave up you, per, per, premier chances at premier players for one guy. However, no, no, no. Well, no, you got Tajay Spears out of that deal too. So you have to include him. Well, I can't, I, I do include him in the article and I, but I didn't want to get it like too confusing for everybody on here. But if he doesn't turn out, then that is an so it's yeah. like two to three, right? Like it's, because yes, it's it's Levis what's and Spears more important for three picks. Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, if one of them turned out yep. to be the guy or the running back. So yeah. I look at it this way. However, that risk, and it's a very minimal risk, right? It's a very minimal investment. This investment is worth it because they believe that this guy is a first round quarterback. Right. And that is right. worth more than a wide receiver or a defender or whatever it could be in these other rounds. And, and I think so to me, it, it's all to me. I would define. I don't know. Like Andy Dalton went to three playoffs in like the first six years. He was drafted right in the same territory. Drew Brees obviously is, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever walked planet Earth. Lamar Jackson has some questions, but also is an elite playmaker as well. Derek Carr has been a solid quarterback. I would say like number 13, let's say in the NFL, like just give or take whatever your, your opinion is. He's been above average, but not great. If we want to say that Ryan Tannehill is like the number 10, 11 or 12 quarterback in the NFL right now, I think to ask Will Levis to achieve Ryan Tannehill's career is about what you expect from the 33rd overall pick. Now, yeah. when you grade him out as a first rounder, in your head, you're thinking, no, we got somebody better that's going to carry us and it's going to start for 15 years and win yep. a championship. That's the best case scenario. Their expectations are different right. than ours. Their expectation is that they are putting their job reputations on the line for Will Levis. It may not look like it if you were just a casual observer 
of the Tennessee Titans, maybe in San Francisco or a fan over somewhere else. You look at it and you're like, oh, they traded up. You're watching the draft traded up. Oh, that's just a little flyer or whatever. But we know based on their words, their actions, that they believe that this first round quarterback who they have graded higher than Anthony Richardson, but not as high as Peter Skaronsky <laughs> is good is is good enough yeah. to be a part of a Super Bowl contending team, and he is one going to be one of the reasons they are a Super Bowl contender. Yes, yes. However, so. I caution you, the fan and media members, <laughs> not to have that same expectation. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I'm agree. I don't agree that he's elite. I but don't. When he fails, you have to hold them accountable for their expectation and their standards. Yes, 100%. But now part of the, the reason I wanted to level set with early second-round picks being far more successful than late second-round picks, like just in general, is that, to your point, their expectations is a first round grade on a first round quarterback who's going to be the guy for the next 10 to 12 years. That's it. Like, that's what they're that's what they think they're drafting. And I think Tennessee Volunteers fans, for example, think again, he's Christian Hackenberg and is going to start zero games and is complete garbage and can't like walk around without Hackenberg chewing, didn't even start one game. game. Didn't didn't play in one football game, second round draft pick. Um, but there is are plenty right? of second round there are there are plenty of second round draft picks that have gone on to be pretty solid, and some of them have been great. Again, Jalen Hurts. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Drew Brees, Derek Carr, Lamar Jackson was 32, which is one spot ahead of Levis. So I, I think I, I want to know, you know, when you refinance your mortgage, there's a break even point, right? There's that break even point down the down the road in where you save money on the closing costs. And that's why you refied. I want to know where's the, the break even point on it being worth the risk. Is it the second contract for Will Levis? Is it three years of starting and then given the second year of his deal, like where is the break? Is it two trips to the playoffs? Like I, I'm, I'm not, when, when do we know that it was okay to make the deal and to draft Will Levis? When, when do we get, he, he has to have like, it, it's, it's weird, right? Um, I feel like you get your investment and you protect it. Cause your investment is also your job, right? Like your reputation, your, and all that is on the line you can suffer through a bad year this year, but you are going to have a hundred million dollars in cap next year. You are going to be able to improve around Will Levis and he can't afford next year to have the Josh Allen rookie season. He needs to have the Josh Allen depending on the surroundings closer to the third year when they got Stefan Diggs. like he's going to have to make a considerable jump without playing experience. If you keep Ryan Tannehill and that then is worth the investment, at least for the one year, even if he fails miserably after that, at least you got one good year out of him on a second round pick, but really he's got to see a second contract. For this to be worth the invest, he's got to be good enough, and the team has to be competitive enough for him to get a rookie, a second contract, yep. for it to be worth the value, but also for people to save their jobs. Like, do you really yep. want the Derek Carr experience? but you're trading out coaches every so often, and you still got Derek Carr on your contract no. like the Raiders did. No, you want. You want the Josh Allen experience where you're not getting any Super Bowl rings right now, and he's choking in, in games and this and that and all that. 
but at least you have this wild success year in and year out. And, and I think, and again, it's like, is asking the 33rd overall pick. I'm not asking the 33rd no, no, overall I, pick. I, Right, you know what I'm right. Saying? I'm asking the first round grade quarterback. I, I I agree, but but again, we that's the that's how a, we got to think though, because that's the standard we're holding them to. But but so, it's oh, see, I don't like know. It's get, not. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I think that you're still investing less though than what it would cost for you to trade up from 41 to 26 or using a, the but number they tried 11 pick. To trade that away. So, no, I, I they tried to me. make that I investment. I, I Basically, know. they came to buy a shack for a million dollars, and the bank said no. <laughs> All right, I'm going to do this just for the sake of having some fun. If he has Marcus Mariota's career, length and production and success on the field, is it the right pick? No, because Marcus did not have success on the field after 2016. Okay, multiple playoff spots. He's the number two rated he had quarterback. one playoff spot. <laughs> He's won a playoff game. He's about well, a 500 a quarterback. game. He's, he's, and he was terrible that entire season, and then he was terrible the season after. It, it, I'm just saying. If and he they ended up, up having to use draft capital to go trade for another quarterback the season after uh, that 2018. So yeah, that, that fourth rounder. I got you. Okay. Uh, I'm just I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out where the number is where we go. I, all right. I, I think we just have to be objective. Like I I don't think we can make that decision or come to that conclusion. Because based on our standards, and so okay. that's why I say because that's where you get in all this murkiness and this and that and all that. Like there's so many murkiness because we are holding him to a different standard than what the team is holding him to. The team's standard, their baseline for success is a first round grade quarterback. I I, so I understand, I understand, yeah. but that's not what they paid for him. Does so, not matter. It, I so think, to me, I it think does. No, it uh, it does not matter to me in the evaluation of Will Levis's career. Because because take so let's go back around to the third round and taking Malik Willis when they did. By the third round, we all acknowledge you're throwing darts at a quarterback, and if you get lucky, you get lucky. You, you go for traits, you take upside. It's a risk worth taking because if you happen to hit, you get Russell Wilson or you get Dak Prescott. Well, there's a little. There's some of that still in the second round. There's none of that at number two overall where Marcus was picked or number five overall where Vince Young was picked, or number eight overall where Jake Locker was picked. All of that is like must-win Super Bowl or at least contend for championships. So I do evaluate someone taken in the second round differently than I evaluate someone taken in, the, in at number at two way. overall. If there were 32 picks in the first round because Miami didn't do it, that, <laughs> you know, whatever. My, my thing is, is that this team tried its best. Tried so hard right. to trade up into the first round. He is You're not right. a second round. He's a second round pick, but he's a first round grade and expectation. Right. Okay, so that's we fair. have to hold him to that expectation in because that is what Amy Adams Strunk is holding them accountable for. You are correct. I agree with you. That means they all get big reviews because they underpaid for something yes, that is worth exactly. way more. For what they paid for it, then. it so that, there's they, another part of the they evaluation. They get to reap the benefits if he's successful of being yes. geniuses, <laughs> but if he fails, they're on the unemployment line. Right, and there was a reason he fell into the second round. So, like, right. no, I, I listen. It's it's all I see the We're risk and the, the value. Same thing. We're just yeah. using different words. We both yeah. agree that they believe that he's a first round pick and. You're you're trying to look at it from a value perspective. I'm looking at it from a standard perspective. I and, think and that's I told, the way to do it. 
No, I totally get it. And I, what I try to do then from value is connect like production to that, right? I try to say like, well, what's the production that makes that worth the risk for you? And so again, let's this the, this the plays risk out. Isn't really big except for the risk. The risk lies into not the value. The risk is you lose Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon if he stinks. Well, so if he's ter- if he's if he's garbage, this <laughs> yeah. is this is what I want to say. I actually uh, maybe we should go on the record here. Do they get I, another shot if he's Marcus Mariota's career? That, he gets so that, three seasons. You get three seasons of Marcus Mariota. So but, you, we're not going to do the very first one because he's not playing this year. So you, you get 2016, 2017, and 2018 Marcus Mariota. Well, no, I want Is the first year of Marcus Mariota. Is that good enough He's got to play this year to get the first year of Marcus Mariota. Uh, I, well, he doesn't get would, a trial run. Here's what I would say. If you year. gave me... If you gave me 16, 17, and 18 Mariota, right, which is um, almost like, what did he have? 10,000 yards passing. He got hurt in that one. He won more games than he lost. So there you go. He'd have a winning record over that span. He was eight and seven, nine and six, seven and six. I'm just using those numbers as yeah, yeah. for team, team success. Um, and, and again, I, I, he took a one of the worst franchises in the NFL and made the largest swing in franchise history from th- from three wins to nine wins. Um, that, that to me is where, where I keep landing in my head. Cause I think you could make the case that it's, if you get three years of Marcus's sort of like quality, not the injury stuff at the, the back end or the, the, you know, that 2016 season, he was really, really good. I would not call Marcus a bust at that position at, at, even at two overall. I think there's lots of context involved in that. And I think he gets a bad rap because Tannehill came in and played great, do you think way Amy better in the next couple of years is is okay with because there's not going to be that jump right there's not that jump and wins no for I've, this team it's harder so, for yeah. this team no i so agree with you my my question is do you think that what's the leash that amy adams drink given him because her statement says it's super bowl or bust and obviously 2023 is like the retooling year we all expected it to be and all that kind of stuff but she's in the room. They've told her, this is our guy. This is the guy that's going to take you to the Super Bowl. That's why we are trying to trade up in the first round because we believe in this I guy. Know, I know. So if the so, end, re- end re- results just matter in the NFL. And no, I know. How many, name me the last GM head coaching duo that unsuccessfully developed a quarterback got a second shot to do that. I, I think Rand Carthon's entire life is tied to Will Levis potentially. He even ad- he even uh, yeah, admits yeah. that his life, but a GM's livelihood is tied to the quarterback decision that they make. And this is the guy that Rand Carthon and Mike Vrabel, because he's doing Mike Vrabel's bidding, have tied their yep. future to. So I want to lay out my I want your predictions on this because I want to tell everybody like give everybody like our like week after the the Monday after the draft. Well, I, don't, sort of, I don't know well, if I can give a, a like here's well let me maybe I'll maybe I'll what I say oh, will yeah. maybe give you an idea because I don't think he's an elite top five top ten pick in the draft. I I I but I also don't think he's Paxton Lynch or Christian Hackenberg like everyone on Twitter thinks, which is complete garbage and hot trash. Which is all my tweet said on Friday is that he's way better than you think. I don't think he's great. So based on statistical averages of where what quarterbacks do in this range in the draft and over the last 20 years, based on what we think of Will Levis, based on what we think the Titans have at wide receiver and, and now on the offensive line, based on the entire thing, my prediction is, is that he probably has a career that's similar to Marcus Mariota's, that they win one game more than they lose every year, 
that he's not elite, but that he's not like fireable at, every, at any given moment. And they are still stuck in the middle potentially, which probably is terrifying to hear if you are a Titans fan. He's serviceable. He's average. He's okay. He's not terrible. He's not great. And I think that's why he gets picked 33rd. And that's why he's, you know, that, that's where I, that's what I think is going to happen with them. Yeah. Daniel's misunderstood. When's the last time a head coach and GM both got to keep their jobs? Because he says Howie Roseman, well, new head coach. He says Steve yeah. Kime, new head coach. I got to have both that fail to develop a quarterback that, get, that gets to go on. And technically, they planned for the contingency of Carson Wentz sucking by drafting Jalen Hurts because they still started <laughs> Carson Wentz. So he kind of got a little free a leeway there. But does that so, does that prediction does that prediction like kind is that like is that me not I taking a stance? Like I'm still kind because... of stuck on this whole we gotta make sure. Um because there's there's a it I bring this up in stackintheinbox.com. The other aspect of this is that you have two other teams in your division that just drafted quarterbacks in the same draft class. Fair or not fair. If you fair or not fair, if Anthony Richardson is awesome and Will Levis isn't, that's another bad mark for these this staff because they chose to pull their offer from the Cardinals and not get Anthony Richardson because he was not <laughs> high on their draft board and let the Colts, a division rival, get it. This stuff matters in the NFL. Fair or unfair is debatable matters or doesn't matter is not and that stuff matters my prediction for will levis i'm just not there yet i all right all right take some time with it i think take some time with it here's where i'm at is because i don't know i know and see the vision of the team but i can't say right now with certainty what they're going to do with 100 million dollars we've never seen this team with 100 million dollars and that does affect what will levis could be so this is perfect segue into like the strategy writ large of the entire draft, because I do think people lose their minds over not taking a receiver. Totally valid. I am upset they didn't take a receiver as well. I think it's a poor strategy. But when the opportunity to draft the guy that you think is elite at 33 presents itself, you have to make adjustments on the fly, mm-hmm. and then it affects the rest of the things you do. Based on value of each of their picks, I think they got pretty good players. Now I, I they... love I love the draft. Like yes, I, yes, including Will Levis. I I do not have complaints with the draft, just because I understand I see the vision and understand the philosophy. I wrote about it on uh, Sunday evening, stacking the inbox, which is the highest viewed article I've ever written. It's it's blown up, so I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, so again, elite filling a spot with the guy that you think is the best at his position, whether that's left tackle or left guard, either one doesn't matter. They think they've got a guy to fill a spot. They got a potential tight end that might give you some starts this year. Tajay Sharp, we we think best available. Certainly, it, it hurt in that spot when Tajay I think Spears. it was Tajay. Taj, what did I say? Tajay Sharp. Jesus uh, Christ! I is it Tajay is it Tajay or Tajay? Because Vrabel was saying Tajay, but you can't rely on uh, an old yeah. man to get the well, uh, pronunciation right. David Poyle, the the general, the winningest general manager in NHL history, can't say the name of his players correctly. So I, you know, so but again, Tillman and Hyatt and Joshua Downs all came off the board right before that pick mm-hmm. when they took. But Tyler Scott was on the board when they took that player. Uh, At Perry um, and a- Xavier Hutchinson were on the board when they took Josh Wiley in the fifth round. I think from a value standpoint, they did a good job. 
I think knowing you need to replace Derrick Henry at some point, getting a player that has a lot of things that a receiver can do, by the way. I think Tajay Spears can do a lot of things that receivers do in the slot or whatever. So you're going to use him in a lot of different ways. You might use an additional wide receiver. So I think that helps lessen the blow a little bit. But here's my takeaway on the draft the, and the offseason. Their strategy was to make the quarterback better by protecting him and investing in the offensive line. They, they got UDFAs. They got free agents. They got draft picks. They spent assets on their offensive line first. And I assume their strategy is to go after the receiving core next year. And I don't actually have a problem with that strategy, big picture, if it works and all this, and the offensive line is one of the best offensive lines in football in the next two years. Oh, let's be honest. The, the, this is where I'm at. And again, stacking the inbox.com. I'm going to promote that a lot today because all this is just, you know, in involved in that article. All offseason. Man, this free agency class sucks. I hate that the Titans need to have a wide receiver. There's no wide receiver in this free agency class. Oh, why didn't they spend money on the free agency wide receiver? All offseason. Man, this this wide receiver class is kind of shitty. I, I personally thought there was a lot of depth, but obviously I was wrong. <laughs> I mean, like, the NFL told us that we were all wrong about this wide receiver class if you thought the wide receiver class had a lot of depth. What they told you was, is that, like, Eh, it's pretty good, but it's not great. And uh, we're going to go take the top four off the board, and it's going to kind of like travel through the rest of the draft and not be that great. You know, there was a little wide receiver room, but it wasn't, you know, a massive one. And, you know, everybody told you, all the draft analysts said, and in fact, a lot of scouts even came on the record in various articles with the anonymous scouts and said, this wide receiver class is not that good. We just all chose to ignore that fact. And I'm one of them. Like, I, I chose to ignore it. I watched tape. I was like, man, these wide receivers look really good to me. Maybe it's just because I've been watching NWI and Chris Moore take reps. But, like, they look pretty good to me. And then, you know, I after the Ty J Spears draft and after that night, the draft press conference, it all came together. They told you, take your needs for this team Shove it up your ass. Shoot him into the sun if you want to, because we're going best player available. And to be honest, when I was creating my own draft board outside of Tyler Scott, Tajay Spears was my best available player. He was a third round pick. He was always projected to go in the first round. And you know what the NFL told you about Tyler Scott? He's a borderline fifth round player. Yeah. Late fourth. What they told you about A.T. Perry and Xavier Hutchinson. Get back into the film lab, nerds. You guys were wrong about that one. (laughs) Sixth round picks. Well, we'll, we'll, unless they're really, really good, in which case we were all wrong together. But that's no, you're absolutely right. And and, and this is what I think. Like, Tajay Spears makes this team better. Does he start any games? Probably not. No. Does Josh Wiley make, does does Josh Wiley make this team better? Yes. Is he a prominent piece? Probably not. Uh, is 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 Duncan gonna start games? No, but he fills in a spot that you can cut Jam- Jamarco Jones. <laughs> you know, like yeah, and and he gives you depth. They, to me, I am always okay, especially if you draft the quarterback, to go offensive line before receiver. I'm always gonna be okay to go protect your line because that line being good and solid and sound affects every other piece on the puzzle. The, the having a and I and I personally believe in Traylon Burks, so I think Traylon Burks is gonna be fine. I, is Do I think it is atrocious that they didn't come away with at least another wide receiver that wasn't named Colton Dowell drafted in the seventh round? Yes, I would have loved that to have happened. But I, I, if you're asking me, invest in the offensive line, invest in the receiving core, which one helps your young quarterback better first? 
it is always going to be the offensive line. They are not overcorrecting the mistakes made by the previous regime. You want to be mad that the Tennessee Titans didn't draft a wide receiver in this draft? Go get mad at John Robinson. Find him in Union City, wherever he's at, and at the Waffle House when he's chewing dip, waiting on his all-star special. And go sit over there and say, hey, I'll buy you a cup of coffee, but I just want to let you know you really screwed the Tennessee Titans over. Unless, because of course, they go trade for they're not overcorrecting and overpaying because of someone else's mistakes. They don't have to. They don't need to. They didn't have the correct amount of resources or the right amount, right allocation of resources to overcorrect the wide receiver position. Do they need wide receiver position? Yes. Do I think that if they had drafted Tyler Scott in the third round, would that be a better use of resources than spending on Ty J Spears? I would argue yes. But that's because I have the need higher. They do not care about the need. And let me say this. If it hadn't been for Chicago getting Darnell Mooney Jr., <laughs> you know, to pair with Darnu Darnell Mooney Sr. when they drafted Tyler Scott, Tyler Scott would have been the pick in the fifth round over Josh Weil. I am just convinced that that would have been the pick. And then you know what everybody would have been saying? Man, Carthon really got a still of the deal, still of the draft getting right. Tyler Scott right there. And that was just a few spots away. This team got better on the offensive line, got better in the tight end room, got better with ex adding an explosive playmaker in Tajay Spears. They're hoping that Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, Chigo Conquo not only take the next leap, but stay healthy. And the defense got better, cheaper, younger as well because they also have Harold Landry coming back, and that matters. And this team told you in not so many words that, hey, Zach, specifically me, that Christian Fulton conspiracy theory you floated out there, yeah. fucking <laughs> stupid. Because we believe in not only Christian Fulton, I think they believe in Caleb Farley as well. Fulton McCreary, Sean uh, Sean Murphy Bunting, Elijah Molden, Trey Avery, Caleb Farley, Chris Jackson. What they told us is that they are good with those seven guys mm -hmm. going into camp. And frankly, that is a lot of high capital and investment. And they added some UDFAs that won't sure. count to anything. But, I mean, they're, overall, they're okay with taking 10 guys into camp. There will be new needs next year. Mm -hmm. The goal of this year is that offensive line won't be one of them. And that's what they did this year is they invested Offensive the line and technically quarterback should not be should one not of be one of them. And that means that you can focus your energy on maybe, let's say, receiver number one, maybe middle linebacker next year. Maybe those are the two needs you have next year. But clearly, it, you cannot necessarily address all of your needs and fix all of your problems at one time. And when the opportunity presented itself to get their first round quarterback, maybe the guy of the future, who, again, I think is going to end up being like you know, probably not Derek Carr. Maybe again, might just be Ryan Tannehill, like the 14th best quarterback in the NFL. I think that would be considered which is better worth, than Derek Carr. So that's good, which would be worth the risk if they went up and got him and, and then would stabilize the position for the future. And you can move on from Tannehill, which is a whole other question we've got to answer. I've got a lot of questions here. We haven't gotten to yet, but to me, I'm, I'm just, I don't love that. They didn't get a receiver, but I'm okay with it being a focused on the offensive line in the tight end room, which sort of packs the offense in, in a more stable way in here between the hashes. And the only question now is going to find somebody that can catch passes opposite Chig and Burks. And you can do that. You can find those guys easier than you can find 
you know, stud left tackles or whatever. I think Titanic Titanic says it right here. They also fixed their books, which I, which was the biggest thing they did in my opinion. And I agree. They, this is why they couldn't spend big. They had so much baggage they had to get through. And when they're looking at the accounting of it and my, my biggest thing is that 2024's draft is not looking great from a capital standpoint. The Tennessee Titans have to find ways to offload players or gain draft picks in some some form or fashion. Well, um, there's a running back in the backfield that might be worth a third rounder next year or a fourth rounder next year. There still could be moves. So with, the, with these still could be moves coming up uh, portion of the pod here, uh, of course, brought to you by Sinkers and the Kingston Group. W- what is your initial thoughts on getting rid of Tannehill in some way, shape or form and throwing Levis into the fire. There's, there's obviously pros and cons to both strategies. What is your initial thought and reaction to, to the quarterback situation now? You want him to sit and wait. Do you want to throw him out there? Do you want to save some cap space? Maybe try to get a draft pick out of the deal. What, what are your, what, where are you at on that? Well, this is the smart move and this is the move there. There's two different things. There's the move. I think they're going to make it. Then there's a smart move. Now, that does not necessarily mean the move they make is not smart. It is. It's not the worst move out of the... The worst thing they can do is just cut them. It's the worst thing they can do. It, it makes no sense. Don't do it. Do not cut them. Now, that being said, they should trade them. And I unfortunately, I, this is going to suck for everybody, including media and fans. When you go back and look at trades made during the summer, specifically quarterback trades, there have been 14 of them. 10 of them came in August. So this is going to be a long summer. (laughs) But that's typically when it's going to happen, barring a major injury in camp in between now and then. You know what else happens between now and August, just like last year? We learned that Malik Willis don't hit. Yeah, that's what we that's what we learned last year in in May and June and July. That's why this whole this this action on the waiver wire thing that kind of Mike Vrabel alluded to in the press conference about wide receivers. I'm like, unless there's some weird workout incentive, most of these players are not going to be coming to your team until like June, July and I, all this stuff. I just I, never understood that. The one thing I don't like, I'm going to ask you about analytics here in a second as well. Yeah. I, the one thing I didn't like about their post-draft press conference and their sort of talking points through all of this and I think Rand showed maybe a tiny bit of inexperience through this and Vrabel and maybe the waving after the tight end pick was trolling. Maybe it wasn't. Who knows? I thought it was hilarious. Oh, it definitely um, was. I loved it. But what I think is funny is like Rand's basically saying, no, we're rolling the dice and we're just playing the board and we're just taking BPA and we're just doing, doing this whole thing. And like, like I don't the, agree. With that's what they were doing, you know? And, well, and, and the, the one thing I don't agree with is when Vrabel and Rand Carthon say, oh, yeah, there's tons of stuff we can still do. Yeah, we can absolutely pick some players off the t- other teams where they get cut or out of the XFL or out of the USFL. Or yeah, the XFL the one came wire. out this morning. And I was like, but, hey, like, dude, Butler redemption season. I'm all in. Just don't tell me that your strategy intentionally was to go get a scout team player, a player who was cut, a UDFA or an XFL player as your answer at wide receiver just tell me that offensive line was a priority for us and then we had a chance at a quarterback and so we had to get something had to go and wide receiver well, i don't think went. they were saying that was their strategy they're saying it's not over like okay our 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 i know i know but player it's, available it's, did not line up um 
with it. So they're not saying that's their, that's their strategy now. That's was it their strategy going in the draft. Just turns out that the board didn't fall the way they want because they're again, fuck the needs. Uh, <laughs> I don't agree, but you know, that is what it no, is. Right. Right. But I would like for trace to tell me here or Trey to tell me here, what free agent is worth $17.8 million that they have to cut Ryan Dano right now. No, if you can get assets for him by trading him, you do it. You do it. They're going to keep Ryan yeah. Tannehill until, yeah. listen, if they don't find a trade partner, I think they're keeping Ryan Tannehill because they could have already cut him if they wanted to and let him go out and find a team at the start of free agency if that was the plan, just to cut him. I'm telling you right now that I think that Ryan Tannehill is your quarterback and yep. unless the the slimmest of possibilities – that Will Levis shows you just enough that you're <laughs> willing to gamble. But I think that is totally unrealistic that they are willing to gamble on 2023 without trade assets. There's, I agree with you, but there's one thing. If you do cut him, that, that you could just that save the cap. That money rolls over anyway. Right, you when could you save cut him, Grace, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. That money's not going to be on the books next year. Yeah, you can save it either way. I, so it, yeah. I, what I would say is... To me, Ryan Corey Tannehill. Davis ain't coming here. I can go ahead and just tell everybody that. I know everybody's <laughs> like thinking about that, but I think everybody forgot how this ended with him being on yeah. the bench for f- entire fourth quarter, pissed on the sidelines without his helmet on. Tannehill gives this team a better chance to win. It they also have a better chance to win with a new tight end room, Tajay Spears as a part of the offensive game plan, Tim Kelly calling the plays. And an, and an offensive line that will be ideally 10 times better than it was last year. That gives you a chance to win when you also already have a defense that is among is probably the best in the division, probably. So, like, you, you there is still opportunity to win. Will Levis technically right now is 23, turns 24 in June. Do you want him to take his first NFL start at 25? No, not ideal. That's not what you want. But Tannehill with this particular team upgraded the way it has been. There's there's just as good a chance they can win the division as anybody else. So uh, yeah, I mean that's the thing is like I you can't go and lose again. Mike Vrabel cannot take that chance to have a losing season because you're talking about seven straight losses last year. You lose this one, you're talking about eight straight losses of Mike Vrabel in the Mike Vrabel area. You lose another one, there's there's nine more losses. This team wants to be competitive in 2023 with the understanding and expectation that this team is not winning the Super Bowl in 2023. But you have to carry, you have to create, gain, and carry over momentum into 2024, or you're going to have nobody, no matter how much money you got, really wants to come play for you. So here, I I agree completely with what you're saying, and here's what you want to be entering at this about this time next year. Was it? Oh, Tannehill Atlanta- gives you maybe two wins more than Will Levis. Give me a fucking break. Can't okay, believe someone put that in the chat. Okay, well, hang on a second, because I want to. I, I think you make a great point, and I want to sort of reiterate it because it kind of it kind of just crystallized. It just crystallized for me what the goal should be about this time at the yeah. end of next year and going into this season about this time next year. When, you want to be the team. That is the piece away. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. And the, the Falcons thought they were a piece away when they drafted Julio Jones. Ironically, the Titans thought they were a piece away when they traded for Julio Jones. <laughs> they were wrong. The Falcons were right. They almost won a Super Bowl. They probably should have. Way to go, Kyle Shanahan. But 
the Rams were a piece away. They went and got their guy. The, the upgrade from Goff to Stafford was enough, and they won their Super Bowl. You want this team to be built entering next season to be a piece away at wide receiver. That's what you want. And you go get somebody in the first round. You go get somebody in the second round. You go get somebody in free agency, whatever it might be. But you have the defense figured out. It's, it's the, the secondary's figured out. The offensive line's been figured out. You got your, your Levis is ready to take over a la Mahomes after Alex Smith was given the boot. You are, you are ascending into 2024 a piece away. That's mm-hmm. the goal. That That's is the goal. The, you want to be a piece away. And just hopefully that piece is, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. or something. I don't know. Like, yeah, what they're what banking. Want. Yeah, that what they're banking on is that Will Levis learns behind Ryan Tannehill. Ty J Spears is able to go a whole season, right? You have Chigo Conquisons, Traylon Burks, Kyle Phillips, a Josh Weil, or is it Weil or Wiley? I thought it was Wiley, but I I could be I don't know. I I think someone told us, and I've already forgot it when me and Stoney were doing our thing, and and I. I He's your, he's your, he's your can do multiple things tight end, right? Yeah. You got, you got yeah, your wide tight end. You got two blockers and you got Chig, and then you got to get yeah. it. It's, it's all about 2024. Yeah. But you have to have, you have, you cannot afford the locker room to go through big, large chunks of your season on a losing streak. Cause you know what happened to the last, to the, one of the guys that was employed by Amy Adams drunk that went through a losing streak, that guy got fired. And you all can sit here and tell me, oh, well, Mike Vrabel's seat's not that hot, or Rand Carthon's seat's not that hot. We didn't really think John Robinson's seat was that hot. We have an owner That's true. that is not that wants a Super Bowl. And if this team, this is not a losing season kind of team. This is a team that wants to compete this team last year almost made the playoffs that is what they're trying to do with, now with josh jobs yeah with josh up <laughs> now i don't believe that this team is going to make it far into the playoffs i feel like it's a one and done playoff team that is my expectation yeah. but this team believes that it's a playoff team all right, uh, I'm going to run through a lot of the comments here. Uh, Donnie, it was Donnie, not D-Good, that had the kids. So D-Good can make wife jokes. That's fine. Donnie, yeah. congratulations. Glad to hear you and the son are doing well. Trey, I agree with you. And I want you to clarify something, uh, Zach, about Tannehill's value. If, if, if this team starts Ryan Tannehill for 17 games versus if this team starts Will Levis for 17 games, everything else considered equal, what is the actual gap in your mind? Is it ten and, oh. ten and ten and ten wins with Tannehill and seven wins with Levis? What are you? What's, what's your actual number? I, in your in your opinion, I, I have to look at the the schedule and everything because I really haven't ran through the, the entirety of the schedule. But Tannehill is a for for the way this team is currently constructed. Tannehill is a five win quarterback swing. Like he swings it five wins. I'd go three. It, yeah, he's he's a five winner because basically we saw what he he we saw that he was at least I think what he missed five games the last year and they lost all of them. I, I would he say they a five game swinger. I think they can win ten games with him. I don't think Levis wins five. I think he might get to six or seven. So, but again, if the team if the rest of the team is that good, they, they, they won they won zero games. Just to remind everybody, without Ryan Tannehill last year. Um. Ed says this, you can't be a piece away without knowing what Levis is. Once he starts, it's a reset. I will argue against that. For We knew what Malik Willis was by watching practice. 
We mm-hmm. the, the coaching staff did not need him in games to know that he wasn't it. Why do you think Andy Reid moved? And again, I'm not suggesting Will Levis is Patrick Mahomes, so don't give me that crap. What I'm saying is, is that Andy Reid knew what he had and what he didn't have. And he knew he could move Alex Smith. That he knew 100% he did not need Alex Smith. And he let him go. I think the coaching staff, Tim Kelly, the offensive staff, I think they all will know you, you you don't need the lights necessarily to know if Will Levis has what it takes. You just need to know that he's the guy for now, I guess. I, I just think I think that if he is the guy that they believe he, him to be, which is a first-round graded quarterback that they traded up to get, who has all the tools that you'd ever need to be a star quarterback, not good tape at all in 2022, much better tape in 2021, they, they're going to know what they have in him. In fact, I can't wait for rookie camp to open because I'm going to be able to to tell you exactly what I see with my own eyes relative to what I saw last year with Malik Willis. Yeah, and this idea that he has to actually start games, I do not agree with. You have meetings, you have practices, you have preseason. They have the entirety of, of tape and interactions that are going to essentially tell you what this guy is yeah and oh and hopefully maybe a few blowouts where you get him out there <laughs> get, right and get if you get a few reps a la tua behind jalen hurts for a couple like you it's so that'd be that'd be ideal for for the team uh hopefully just not blowouts in the wrong direction so uh listen this isn't either way <laughs> for for guys like me and zach who make content this is great <laughs> this is this is gonna be super fun because oh by the way the texans we haven't even talked about the other division teams really in like in true in depth in depth way to see how good they've gotten the Texans and the Colts and, and and the Jags are doing things. So maybe it's good. Maybe it's bad, but man, three rookie quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence in the same division. Holy shit. It's going to be fun to watch the next three years. I, I just want, I just want to say, I think there's some, there's some clarity issues popping up. We both prefer, or at least I prefer Ryan Tannehill traded and will Levis to start regardless. Like, I, I prefer that. I am not sure that's what the Titans prefer. And I don't want to speak for you, so... But I no, I it. would rather go ahead and just play him and, and just yeah. roll with it. But I don't know if that's what the Titans prefer at this standpoint. If you can get two quality draft picks in next year's draft, let's say a third and a fourth, or a second and a fourth for Ryan Tannehill, um, I think it, from an asset standpoint, it might be worth letting Levis learn. I also see the value of trying to win more games this year and get and not putting too much pressure on Will Levis to win right away. Now, I don't love the pressure argument generally because if a little bit of pressure destroys your career, then you ain't it either. So I like I'd rather him go out there and make the mistake. You might have talked me into like if you can get assets for Tannehill. Then, then go for it and and roll with Will Levis and let's all learn together and see what happens. Because you only got four years, you don't have the fifth year option. I I don't know. I, I'm I think there's really good, sound, logical arguments to be made for both decisions. But roll with Tannehill or not. That if he plays and he stinks, there's a huge risk factor. If he plays and he stinks like Josh Rosen did, there is a risk. Of people losing jobs, maybe it's the staff, people on the staff, which you know is is it going to be a real big thing? 
Maybe it's it's both Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon. Maybe it's just Rand Carthon. Maybe it's Mike Vrabel. It there is a risk, but I think it's a risk worth taking. Yeah. To see what is going to happen with Will Levis. I personally am for Will Levis starting. I don't think the Titans are. I I, I agree with you. I agree with you. Unless I am they can more, find a trade partner, then they'll be like, okay, I well, we can you. all we're all. And if he's it. and if he's Josh Rosen, who's played like less than half of a, an NFL football season, it will be so obvious that at least they will have cut bait and gotten out of there as fast as possible. And you're right; it probably does would, cost people some jobs. Would you be shocked if they cut Ryan Tannehill? Because to me, I would be shocked if it, they it, cut it, Ryan Tannehill before camp started. Well, every single rumor that we talked about, with the exception of trading up to get C.J. Stroud. Almost all of them didn't come true. I don't think that means there's no merit in them. I think it means they didn't find any good deals. But they and, they've never been rumored to cut. Right no, there. that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. Trading yeah. Tannehill was always an option. Cutting Tannehill's never really felt like an option. It, it sounds they, like to me they're like, hey, we're keeping they, you around, and nobody they won. They want to win football games. Yeah, can, can <laughs> I ask Tannehill. you something? Would you be surprised if Ryan Tannehill retired? Ooh, I haven't thought about that. Nobody's thought about that. And I wrote about that in my article. I had not thought today. about that. It's coming out right after the show. I mm. pondered the fact that why are is nobody because you let me say this. First off, if people start talking about this on local radio and start writing articles about it and talking about it on Twitter, they're stealing from me. This is my I'm the first one to market. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bro. I just want everybody to know. You guys listen. You guys are witnesses. No human has ever thought about Ryan Tannehill retiring ever. Nobody, nobody's brought up. Maybe if they've thought about it, they've never had the courage to do what I'm about to do. Yeah, we, yeah, we got witnesses. We got witnesses in the chat yeah. for sure. There's witnesses so, there. Is it that crazy that if 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 he they came to him right, they kind of talked to him and everything. He's 35. He wasn't in a great headspace over a year ago. They save money. If he retires, right? Because when a player retires, it's just like being cut. He loves his family. He loves going out, he, doing stuff like fishing and all that kind of stuff. And my God, did they put his, him through the fucking ringer last year physically? And they, yeah, they put him through the ringer. He's kind of coming over, you know, being injured. I could understand the idea he, of Tannehill retiring, and I don't think it's that crazy. And it benefits the team because let's say this. If he, he can't unretire and just go play for another team. Well, he they still own the rights, so if he could be retired, the uh, other teams come calling. And they're like, "Hey, we want to trade for Ryan Tannehill because so and so went down. They have to do what, that." What, what did Carson Palmer do to get out of that? I think he did something, but I don't. I don't remember. What oh, he I did. don't remember. He, like, um, retired, and then he played for Arizona for a couple of years. Well, I think they they still had to trade for him. I think maybe the, maybe you're right about that. Yeah, I, they, they have to because you still own the rights until the contract is actually up. So, but like he turns 35 in July. So, is it really I, all so that crazy that he just hangs it up? No. For number one thing I've learned in media from from coaches and players from the day I started this to 20 years later is that you never know what makes a guy tick. So when a human being decides something, you just don't ever know. But I will say it seems to me my first instinct is you don't you don't go through that entire excruciating offseason therapy, literal therapy session after the Bengals game to come back and go out the way he did this year. I, I just don't I don't I don't I, I think, think that I do think there's a better chance that this is his final hurrah. And I think yeah. that's the, been the discussion behind scenes. That's my little conspiracy theory. But I do think that there is an uh, there's a, and I think I think next year he retires if nothing happens of note. Like if he gets injured again, I think he retires. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if like maybe at some point 
I don't know. He's just kind of like in camp. He sees Will Levis is kind of looking pretty good, and he's just kind of like, I don't know. Do I really want to stick through all this and have to listen to the Nashville talking heads and the fans boo me and beg for Will Levis? Maybe I should just retire. Out, uh, yeah. Outside of um, literally Titans content, Jim Wyatt, Mike Keith, Coach Mack, Amy Wells, I, I would argue that we have probably been the most positive and 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 given you the and laid out the most positive of reactions to what took place over the weekend, because there's a lot of questions that still need to be answered about all this. And we will not be able to answer them in the next couple of weeks. We have to learn about Will Levis. We have to see what their plan is at wide receiver, probably over a year. And we've got to see how these young players pan out that were drafted last year. So we just, it, it's fun to react. We're going to, we're going to get into every single one of these players in detail over the course of rookie camp. We've got ros- new rosters in the division that we're going to break down, so we've got a lot of stuff to do. Stackintheinbox.com, football and 5,000 words on Will Levis coming in your inboxes here in just a few minutes. I, I spent way too much time on Twitter on Friday night. Uh, I just, it's, I know it's my drug of choice, and I know I'm going down with the ship, but I've got to, I've, I, need a, I need someone to have an intervention with me occasionally. Sinkers, uh, of course, had something to do with that <laughs> on Friday night as well. Sinkers Beverages, of course, in East Nashville. Make sure you check them out. Uh, sign up for the in crowd when you go in there. Uh, tell them 440 sent you, and uh, they'll give you all kinds of cool stuff. Access to VIP allocations, free tastings, uh, all kinds of stuff we're giving away this summer for you guys. That are, it's really, really cool, we promise. Uh, Bluegrass in Hendersonville as well. It's a big sponsor of Football and Other Efforts, which you can catch Zach on every single week with Mike Herndon. Go check that out. Mike Herndon, by the way, guest on Lamestream Sports last week, so go check that out if you want to learn about his engineering background and why it works in football analysis and, of course, the Kingston Group, buildkg.com. If you make any decisions about your house, just talk to the folks at Kingston Group first. Before you do it, they will help you whether they use you, whether you use them or not. Uh, so we appreciate you guys super active in the comments today. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, all you guys for hanging out and congratulations to Donnie on the new, on the new baby boy. Congratulations to Tim on the new, on the new addition to the family as well. Hope the moms are doing great. Uh, better than, better than Will Levis on Twitter right now. Uh, for Zach, I am Braden. Rate, review, subscribe, share the product, tell everybody about it. We really appreciate you guys. We'll talk to you on Thursday with lots more football stuff. This has been a football show. Thanks for listening.